This is the best of the week on Relevant Radio. I really love St. Valentine's story. It's pretty incredible. St. Valentine was sentenced to a three-part execution of beating, stoning, and finally decapitation. Do you know why? For marrying people when Emperor Claudius had an edict against marriage. Now, at that time, the Roman Emperor Claudius II was persecuting the church, but in particular, he had an edict that prohibited the marrying of young people. The edict was put in place because he believed that unmarried soldiers fought better than married soldiers at the time. This is one of the many reasons, but very silly belief. I actually do think, you know, you could put an argument on both sides. I do think that married men can often have more to fight for. And so say, well, someone who's not married is more willing to risk their lives. Not necessarily. Someone who's married is going to fight hard to make sure he comes home and those with him as well. So there's much to be said in that whole conversation. It brings up a, I think, important topic. But St. Valentine was eventually caught for the fact that he was marrying people, young people, because he stood up for the right to marry, that it's a sacrament in the church, and that it's a fundamental vocation of the human person to marry and to enter into family life. That's how important it was. It wasn't just him dispersing communion and giving us the greatest gift of our faith, the source and summit of our faith, but he was willing to risk his life, not just by celebrating Mass, but celebrating the sacrament of matrimony as well. It's pretty significant. Normally you hear stories about priests who were engaging in the underground church and they were murdered for the fact that they were still passing on the faith. St. Valentine was passing on the faith, not only the passing on of the Eucharist, by preserving that right to marry, that great gift of sacramental marriage. And it's significant too, because these people could just say, okay, well, I'm married and I'm just going to live together and I'm going to start my family. No, you need to be married and be married in the church. Not only that, you need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be that balm that keeps the two of you together in good times and in bad. And St. Valentine was caught for giving just that great gift of the sacrament of matrimony to people who so desperately needed it as Emperor Claudius had put forth this edict saying that you can't get married. And just note, this is how significant marriage within the church was. The Emperor Claudius didn't just shut down these public civil ceremonies. No, he shut up the sacrament of marriage because we know the sacrament of matrimony is that important. So if you've been married and you've been married outside of the church, I invite you to come into the church, bring that marriage into the light of the church, navigate what might or might not be challenging circumstances, and let your marriage Receive the grace of Christ. And just think for a moment that Jesus Christ's first first miracle was that of the wedding feast at Cana, his first public miracle, all because his mother asked him to do so, but just to celebrate the marriage of a couple. That should give us another insight into the significance of marriage, of upholding and supporting marriage, even in the celebratory elements. So while in prison, St. Valentine is most notoriously known in the theme for our secular hallmark holiday today of 
what's known as not St. Valentine's Day, but just Valentine's Day. St. Valentine is the man, the myth, and the legend, and ultimately the saint reigning with Christ in heaven. And his story is so significant. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, but that three-part execution, the fact that he was imprisoned and tortured for performing marriage ceremonies against the command of Emperor Claudius II. Now, while he was in prison, what he's best known for is for healing Asterius's daughter. She was a young girl who was blind. And as the story of St. Valentine goes, these are historical figures, he prayed and actually he prayed with her and healed her. And he would exchange letters back and forth with Asterius's daughter. And the letters, he would sign your Valentine. I think this is actually pretty significant. We've lost this culture of letter writing, which I love. I spent some years before I got married trying to take that back up, whether it be with thank you cards or different uh, seasonal cards or just writing letters to various people, friends who lived on the other side of the country, religious friends who are in other countries as well. And there's beauty to letter writing. There's this healthy vulnerability to the written word that I think is so significant. It's another topic for another day. But when you think about the fact that St. Valentine would sign his letters, your Valentine, just like when letters are often signed, you'd sign yours truly, or maybe your wife, or different different forms of endearment in those letters, St. Valentine signed off your Valentine. And when we say these statements of yours truly or your Valentine at the end of a letter, it gives a sense of belonging to another person, being at the service of another person, entrusting yourself to another person. Isn't that what love is? That you're entrusting yourself to another person and you could get hurt. Why? Because you're sacrificing ultimately part of yourself, or at least you should be, because that's what Lent is. Now, ultimately, after this great miracle of healing Asterius' daughter and these letters that were exchanged back and forth, St. Valentine, as I mentioned earlier, died a three-part execution of beating, stoning, and finally decapitation. I'm always amazed by this because we have this really gushy Hallmark holiday of Valentine's Day, which is great. Celebrate love. That's fine. But don't forget the person behind it who fought so that people could marry at a time when Christianity was being snuffed out and the very vocation of sacrificial love through matrimony was being not just avoided, but being told that you could not live out that vocation. And yet St. Valentine, in the thick of this, endured a very significant cross for him and what he ultimately experienced of beating, stoning, and decapitation. It reminds me in many respects of the endurance St. Paul had for the gospel. We read those words that St. Paul says in 2 Timothy that he fought the good fight and he's finished the race. He's kept the faith. And then he's expecting this crown of victory that he will be with God in heaven as a result of this. Well, what did St. Paul endure? If you ever read that passage or just meditate upon that for a minute, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul says, five times I've received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I've been shipwrecked at night and a day I've been adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, 
danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches. Every time I hear that one paragraph from St. Paul's writings in the second letter to the Corinthians in the New Testament, my jaw just about drops. Look at all that St. Paul himself endured. And I love how at the end of it, he mentions, not to mention the daily pressure I, I have in life and the anxieties that I carry. And look at what he suffered. Look at what St. Valentine endured in his own suffering. That three-part execution, beating, stoning, and finally decapitation. What role does suffering have in our lives? What role does it play? Is it redemptive? As Catholics, we have this unique take on redemptive suffering. Or if you're a cradle Catholic, maybe you heard those words over and over again. Offer it up. Offer it up. You're struggling? Good. Suck it up. Offer it up. There is a wonderful encyclical, Salvific Dolores, that Pope St. John Paul II wrote in 1984. Ironically, he actually, it was a published on February 11th, 1984, which I just actually realized right now, right before the feast day of St. Valentine's Day. And this year, St. Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday collide on the same day. But something he writes in there that I think is most poignant, you should really read the letter. We'll post a link to it on social media. He says, what we express by the word suffering seems to be particularly essential to the nature of man. That is, he means the nature of the human person. He goes on to say, it manifests in its own way that depth which is proper to man and in its own way surpasses it. In other words, suffering is at the depth of the human person. It's essential to the human person and it helps us to go not just to the depth of who we are as human beings, but to surpass what we are. He goes on to say, suffering seems to belong to man's transcendence. It is one of those points in which a man is in a certain sense destined to go beyond himself and is called to this in a mysterious way. So what he's saying is that through suffering, we find our transcendence in God and that we're destined through suffering to go beyond ourselves to God and that that's a great mystery. Just as we look at the mystery of Christ and the cross, that's a mystery. We look at the mysteries of the sacraments, the seven sacraments we have. And the Eastern part of the church, they refer to sacraments not as sacraments, but as mysteries. We've heard the idea over and over again, and I hope you have, that God only allows us to suffer what we are able to endure. It's encouraging when things are difficult, that God is only allowing me to suffer what we can endure. But here's a challenge when it comes to suffering. We have some choices because of our free will. We can choose not to endure it and take horrific ways out. We can choose to become victims or we can choose we can choose to do many things in our avoidance of suffering. We can run many things. You name it. But then we can also can try to endure it. Now we could start to try to endure suffering and give up. We could even survive suffering without Christ but then become a victim holding a chip on our shoulder for all those terrible things we've endured. Or we can rely on Christ and be transformed by that suffering. Let it be the moment that proves the human person, that enters into the transcendence of the human being, as as Pope St. John Paul II said. See that we're destined through that suffering to go to God in a very mysterious way. 
But the question is, will we be transformed by Christ? Will we surrender that? I challenged you earlier. You're trying to decide what you're doing for Lent, or maybe you've already decided. Make sure it's in conjunction with your most predominant and persistent sin. Do you know what that is? Because that's very important that whatever sacrifice we're entering into is out of love for Christ to eradicate sin from our lives and to truly transform our behavior. Will we be transformed by him? Venerable Fulton Sheen made this comment that I heard a few years ago for the first time and has really resonated with me. He discusses how we live in a culture where many people are walking around as half-crucified souls. In other words, some people may carry their cross all the way to Calvary, he said, but then they abandon it. He says others are nailed to it and detach themselves before the elevation. Others are crucified, but in answer to the challenges of the world come down. They come down after one hour, two hours, after two hours and 59 minutes. He says, real Christians are they who persevere unto the end. Our Lord stayed until he had finished. Like what you just heard? Share it with your family and friends. And thanks for listening.